Happy 2019 and welcome to Hitting the Apex. So this week, we start our little history lessons of the teams of Formula 1. Here we are in 2019. Welcome everybody. Now we can say this year instead of next year for the 2019 season. It's super crazy. We're already in the new year. I hope everybody had a good holidays. Sorry for being so late on this podcast this week. With the holidays and family coming in and also having classes start back up. Made for a hectic time doing all this. I'm glad y'all are back though. I've missed doing this. So we're going to start this history, quote unquote history, right? Series with Williams Mercedes. I'm obviously not going to go full-fledged into the history of Williams. I just want to educate y'all with the team's F1. I'll just get a set for this next season. But let's begin with how Williams Grand Prix Engineering Limited, damn, that's a mouthful, uh, how they came about. So, back in 1977, Sir Franklin Williams started the current Williams team after having his old team, Frank Williams Racing Cars, failed. He also had a team back in 76 that a Canadian millionaire by the name of Walter Wolf ran with him. Wolf Williams Racing was not competitive enough for Sir Williams, so he left the team after that season, after that season and moved over to make his new team. Williams Grand Prix Engineering. Big old title again. Williams jumped around with different engine makers since they only do their chassis. Um, they began with Ford Cosworth engines, basically Ford trying to be a part of one by throwing money at it, as Cosworth did all the hard work by making the actual engines. Right? Well, anyways, between 77 and 83, Williams won two constructors' championships and an additional two drivers' championships, all coming near the end of the Ford Cosworth era of Williams racing. And you'll find this is going to be a little bit repetitive. So, Frank Williams knew that in order to be competitive in Formula 1, he would need a major manufacturer such as Renault or BMW. Renault sounds familiar, right? Back in the 70s, they were around. Uh, and BMW sounds familiar, right? But more of, you know, early thousands, I think. Um, so such as Renault or BMW that could provide a turbocharged engine, which I think is pretty cool. Um, well, they wound up using a company called Honda. Yeah, that Honda. Williams used the Japanese from 1983 to 1987, but Nate, you just said that Ford Cosworth was until 83. Yes, I did, but that's because they didn't settle for a deal for a turbocharged V6 like we do now um, in early 83, and they didn't swap the actual engine in until the very last race of the 83 season, so it kind of, you know, almost, you know, flowed together. Um, and they actually placed a P5 during that race. But just like with Ford Codsworth, Honda Williams didn't see good results until the end of the era where they won a single driver's and two constructor championships. I don't know. If you've only been around for, shoot, not even 10 years, and you already have three constructors or four constructors and three drivers, I w I'm pretty impressed. So having this success with Honda, Williams was hoping to have another major manufacturer take over the contract, but no luck. Uh, they fell back to Judd engines for the 88 season, and no races were won, and they actually finished 7th that season with only 20 points. Um, so they moved on from Judd and signed a 
contract with the French manufacturer Renault. Looky there, Renault, the big team. This led Williams to four drivers and five constructor championships. That is, it sounds like a, a you know a modern day Mercedes. And this uh, right up until Renault left F1 in '97, so they had him for quite a while. Um, so it's like '89 and '97 roughly. This was the golden era of Williams, and it died down around '98, where they used old. This this is where it starts getting kind of crazy. They used old rebadged Renault engines named Mecha Chrome. Yeah, remember that name, okay? This dropped them down to midfield fights as Ferrari and McLaren battled for the top position. Um, I honestly didn't know you could rebadge a rebadge. This was where it starts getting good, but that's what happened in '99 before the new millennium. So the '97 Renault engine was rebadged to be Mecha Chrome in '98, and rebadged again to be Supertech in '99. They finished fifth that year in the constructors, which was the lowest finish of the '90s for them. So using old engines didn't really help because everybody was advancing so far. Um, but luck was around the corner for the Williams team. They had signed a six-year contract with BMW to supply engines and expertise. See, he knew that in order to be successful in F1, he needed either Renault or BMW. Look here, we're getting both. They had uh, begun testing back in '99 to set them later, set them up later for success in the year 2000. I'm singing Jonas Brothers right now. He's showing a little bit of my character. Unfortunately, though, no more drivers nor any constructors' championships were won for Williams, even changing over the next year, nine years to Cosworth, Toyota, Cosworth again, Renault again, 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 right? Something like that, like four times. So original Renault, then rebranded to Mechachrome, then rebrand the rebrand to become Supertech and now OG Renault. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, anyways... Then after Renault, on to Mercedes-Benz power. So no success was done like there were in the 80s and the 90s. And with all the early success, maybe it's time for Williams to come out of the shadows and back onto the podium and maybe even a construction title? Question mark? Because they have a Mercedes-Benz in the back of their car. You would think maybe that, you know, with the success of Mercedes that, you know, they might be able to pull one out. And with... Um, how long they've been away from the pack like that I wonder if now it's time for them you know with big names like Alan Jones, Kiki uh, Keith Roxburgh, uh, Nelson Paquette, Nigel Menzel Elaine Prost, uh, Damon Hill and Jacques Villeneuve they were all winning drivers championship and maybe a Williams and having a veteran or rookie come in will liven things up um, I don't know what this will bring but I guess we'll find out soon So I already know that I have some um, advertisements that pop up on here, um, but I do just want to take a minute. This is from the heart. This isn't from you know a script or um, me trying to write some notes down to follow on this podcast. Since we have a little bit of leftover time, I figured we would. Um, I would talk to the fans. I know there might not be as many as you know I think out there, but I just do want to take a minute. I do see the numbers. Um, it's, you know, might not be impressive to some people, but doing this podcast and having, you know, even 
you know, like the 40 people that have listened to this. Maybe it's repeats. I don't care. Um, I do really appreciate you guys, you know, listening to this. Um, I've recently found Formula One. I used to be a huge NASCAR fan. Uh, Jeff Gordon was my main man. And then I started following Jimmy Johnson, you know, the modern day uh, Michael Schumacher and NASCAR. Um, but it wasn't enough for me. You know, Rubens racing, and I've always believed that. But I needed something new. The cars weren't fast enough. The cars weren't cool enough, I don't think. They were too stock. They were too boring. Um, I needed something different. It was it was very repetitive. A bunch of rednecks drinking beer and going out on the racetrack and pissing each other off. I think it's really cool coming into Formula One from a different motorsport um, and, you know, seeing what it's like, you know, going 300 kilometers an hour down the, you know, the front stretch with DRS kicked in, you know, your fuel and your DRS kicked in all the way. You know, there's so much you can do to overpower another vehicle granted it, we might not have had as exciting um, races as maybe you know with equal cars but I think it's been incredible racing you know um, I've really enjoyed Formula One I really enjoyed the aspect of having a whole bunch of people from across the world race against each other for the world championship of motorsport essentially um, you know after saying all this you know I I really want to keep this podcast around as long as I can so with that being said um, while you guys listen you hear these advertisements advertisements you hear my voice talking about these different things you know it's okay you might skip it but just know that I'm doing it for a reason I want to make this podcast as good as I can and actually you guys can help and I promise this isn't a script and I'm not you know reading off a piece of paper I'm not trying to you know sell you guys anything I'm honestly just wanting you guys to know that if you like this podcast, help me out. I want to make it better. I want to make it longer. I want to do the best I can to show my love and my passion for racing. And now, you know, specifically Formula One. Um, They have this thing on um, Anchor, which is the program I use to make this podcast. It's called Listener Support. Um, Basically, you, for each month... You provide, you know, 99 cents. I think it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars for each month. You know, even if you do a dollar, dude, I'd be ecstatic. You know, ten dollars could go a long way. That's a, that could be a subscription for me to make have better auto audio quality, or maybe a better, you know, um, a better system to make these, you know, cooler, sound cooler, you know, something you know, new. Um, eventually, if I get enough, I want to get better equipment, a better computer, a better mic, you know, better stuff that we can use to make it, <laughs> again, better. Um, you know, if even more on top of that, besides better equipment, you know, I, it might help me get be sent to, um, you know, a race. You know, I, I, want, I want to be able to plan to go to the U.S. Grand Prix. I want to go to Austin. I want to drive that five hours down. Spend all weekend. Go to FU 1, 2, 3. You know, Q 1, 2, 3. Obviously, you're sitting in the same damn place. And I want to go to the race. You know, it would be pretty cool to see, you know, a champion get crowned there. 
I'm down there, you know. So, you know, it, even if it's, you know, a dollar a month, if it's $5, $10, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you give. If you can give something, that's awesome. If not, if you guys just support by listening, I it sends, I get stuff for you just listening. And it, you know, you guys staying around and listen to my boring voice. Hopefully it's not boring because that would make not make sense for a podcast. But, you know, sticking around, listen to what I got to say, you know, send me feedback. Just let me know what you guys think. You know, I appreciate you guys. And I'm really looking forward to this next season to, you know, bring some good stuff around for us to talk about for some races. I love you guys. And I guess we'll kick over to either newsflash or the outro. Well, it seems like a lot has happened since the last time we had a newsflash on hitting the apex. Uh, I guess this is where the podcast kind of livens up a little bit. So we'll start right after Michael Schumacher's birthday. So Ferrari news here. Uh, I'm going to butcher some names and I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Averbeen Aravabin is being replaced by Bonato at Ferrari. So it looks the team principal for Ferrari will no longer lead the prancing horses. Apparently sources at Ferrari say that tensions between Averbeen and Bonato last season um, grew this past season as Ferrari failed with while fighting for the Constructors' Championship against Mercedes. Uh, this seemed like it was inevitable after John Elkan took over for the Ferrari presidency after Sergio Marcioni passed away. Seems like this is a huge shakeup for Ferrari, and it might be the move they needed to get some new leadership in to maybe help them lead to the big victory they need. Speaking of Ferrari, looks like Pascal Verlein is to set is set to move from Mercedes to Ferrari in order to become the new de- uh, developmental driver. Uh, he was the old developmental driver at Mercedes, and after the um, this is after. Uh, Ferrari's two development drivers moved to Sauber and Toro Rosso for next year, both Antonio Giovinazzi and Daniel Kvyat. Talking about another big move in the leadership era, I guess area, we move on to McLaren for their movement. Andreas Seidel has been appointed as the managing director for McLaren's F1 team. Moving on from Porsche's LMP1 team, which includes a success in the World Endurance Championship and the Le Mans 24 Hours, uh, Seidel fills in a brand new position at McLaren in order to help in the team's Formula 1 racing program. Uh, even though he comes from WEC, Seidel is not unfamiliar with F1 paddock. He's worked with BMW from 2000 to 2006, and then Sauber as the guy for track operations until 2009. And I think that's actually Sauber BMW, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe this will bring some success to the McLaren side of the paddock. Uh, with so many spots filled in by uh, some success- successful individuals, we'll see how to, if they can get back to their glory days. Our special dates are getting closer and also longer. Uh, we're getting a longer list of what's going on later on as February is around the corner. Right now, Renault is taking the charge on car reveals. Re- wow. Reveals. Car reveals. Rebels. Rebelly! Starting it off on February 12th. Uh, for Ferrari, or I guess, excuse me, Renault, he's taking the lead. Man, I'm butchering this one right now. Uh, next is Racing Point on the 13th. And a new team um, has announced McLaren takes Valentine's Day to show off their new 2019 car. And Ferrari taking the end of it for for now on the 15th. 
Um, I wonder what's going to happen, uh, who's going to announce next. I'm super excited to see these reveals. And when time comes, whenever we have them all announced, we'll analyze each uh, team's new car. And after they announce them, um, we'll talk about our favorites and our least favorites. Well, that's it for this week. I want to thank you guys for sticking around and listening to my podcast. I know this one is kind of short, but it's been fun bringing news and other F1 things to the crowds. I hope you can join us next week as we talk some more history, but now with Scuderia Toro Rosso. Thanks again, guys. This is Nate with Hitting the Apex, reminding you that life's too short to drive slow. See you all next week. Bye.